like me, recently the Lord has done something above and beyond. Could you just thank him for that? Lord, I thank you. I praise you for your goodness. With every breath that I'm able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I don't want to stand before him one day with strength left that I didn't pour out praise on him. I don't want to stand there in front of him having just brought part. He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. So with every breath, he's good. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to Mark's Gospel, 13th chapter. Mark 13, again, thank you so much for being here in the house of the Lord today. I honor all our graduates, our high school graduates this morning. Uh, also, just prior to service, found out we had a master's graduate. <laughs> Let me just say I congratulate him in that. I'm not going to call him out. But that's a great honor, a great accomplishment. Amen? So congratulations, sir, on your great task and accomplishment. Amen. Uh, I remember when late in life I, I got my first one. I remember that. And it, it was hard to get. And so anybody that gets one, they need a little recognition. Amen? Wow. Presence of the Lord's here today. Started to say 12's out, but we, I mean it's just 25 after 11, so there's there's potential. At least 20 after, maybe you'd be good. Uh, we're continuing in this series. The Lord has uh, laid on my heart, living in the meantime. Um, just a few weeks ago, we we celebrated the resurrection. We're resurrection people. Hello. We're resurrection people. Uh, it's Christ. It's all about Him. Everything else is contained in Him. All before Him. He's the type and shadow and the fulfillment of everything before His birth. Are you hearing me? Everything. It's Christ. And from now on, it's Christ and Christ alone. Woo. We're resurrection people. And we're living in between the time of the promise promise of his return and so we live in the meantime Mark's gospel 13 verse 31 says heaven and earth shall pass away but my word shall not pass away but of that day and that hour knoweth no man he's in ref referencing his return and his coming not the angels which are in heaven neither the son but the father take you heed watch and pray for you know not when the time is for the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey 
who left his house, gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work. That's going to be our emphasis today. And he commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. For what I say to you, I say to all, watch, living in the meantime. As we pray over the word and the message this morning, the Lord open our hearts to hear and receive. Um, Brother Mills gave uh, me a, te- a request this morning of a missionary in Africa uh, who has been diagnosed with a very uh, serious condition um, that only about 50% of the people who have this, come down with this, survive. I forget the sister's name, but the Lord knows, and we're going to hold her up before him. She's been flown out to another hospital area and region in Africa for better care. So let's just ask the Lord to do a work today, would you? Heavenly Father, we come before you as we've broken the bread of life. The bread of life declares that there's healing in you. And so, Father, we pray for our sister who is now uh, in jeopardy of life and death. You are the holder of life, the giver of life. We pray for her body. Lord, you are the healer, you are the creator, and we ask God that you would touch her in the name of Jesus. And Father, as we're here this morning, standing in your presence so near, as we've lifted our voices and lifted our hearts to glorify you, for you are God, hallelujah, and we magnify your name. Now touch us again, move on us again. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So let the liberty to preach the good news of the gospel be in this house and the liberty to hear and receive what the Spirit saith to the church in this hour in which we live. You be praised forever. In Christ's name, the church says, amen. You can be seated this morning. As I approached the pulpit today, I did a little research. Since our subject is living in the meantime, What time is it? Many of you may know or heard of the doomsday clock. The doomsday clock was set in order in 1947. And it was set in accordance by the bulletin of the atomic scientists. And when they first set the clock, it was set to seven minutes till Midnight. And since 1947, the doomsday clock has went backwards eight different times. They've set time back on the doomsday clock. It's went forward 17 times for a total of time adjustments, clock adjustments for 25 times. The latest time setting was 17 minutes it had reversed we'd mankind had kind of beginning to mind their own business enough to set time back and time back and the jeopardy of annihilation of the earth when the big red buttons get pushed and we just wipe ourselves out that's what it's all about it's a metaphor for the ending of time how long is man going to last till he destroys himself so the latest has been 17 minutes till January of this year. They moved it up 10 whole seconds, and we're now closer 
than at any point since they set the doomsday clock to the end of humanity. 90 seconds to you. They've moved the clock up because of the jeopardy that mankind is putting themselves in. As more world powers rise up and get nuclear capability, these scientists say that it's only just a matter of time until someone pushes the wrong button. So we're living at 90 seconds to midnight. We're living in the meantime. I think the church is going out before the button gets pushed. Can you prove that? I don't know that I can, but I just feel that way. I just Can I just preach from my heart a little bit? I feel like the Lord's going to get us out before some idiot. And I know the magnitude of the word. Pushes the red button. I firmly believe that we're going to be out of here. So we're living in the mean. If it's 90 seconds until man destroys himself, how close are we to hearing the alarm of heaven? How close are we to hearing the trumpet's blast? How close are we to hearing the archangel's voice? How close are we to seeing the Lord in the air himself calling the church up? We're, we're close, baby. We're close. That just gives me cold chills. I'm ready to see Jesus. But until we see him, we've some work to do. Until he appears in those clouds, we can't just be sitting idly by waiting for that event. Why? Because souls are in jeopardy of not being ready for that event. And we have been commissioned to help get others ready for the event. Commissioned. The great commission. Go into all the world, right? Teaching, preaching, spreading the gospel, baptizing, make disciples. That's our mission. And to this moment, the church and its mission is unaccomplished. The mission is still before us. All we have to do is stop for a moment, take a good look around us, and we'll see that there's a lot to do. Society and its degradation and its despair as it's beginning to manifest more daily and currently, there is a work to do. And that work has been left for us in the meantime. We stop to think about what Jesus said about the coming of his return. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. I think about how bad it must have been in Noah's day if he's not come to get us out of here yet. If we go back into Genesis, we'll read, we'll see where man's heart was only on evil continually. And in the midst of that evil, Noah found grace in the eyes of God. My Lord, there's going to be some folk find grace, and it's those who are living in that grace, hallelujah, who've discovered the grace of God that frees them from sin. There's a flood that came then, but there's a trumpet that's going to sound. And we're going to be saved from it all, my Lord. 
But when we think about how the church is operating in this world, when we think about how the world is in such despair, offering our young and our children and generations that are rising, we offer them up seemingly without resistance to the God of this world. Just let them go their way. We talked about a little bit of that authority last week and the generations, how they look at authority and how they despise authority as time goes on. So they believe that themselves are the authority. But the church, it is our responsibility as we are living in the meantime to fulfill what the master had left to be done. He left them his house, which the church is his house. We talked about that. He gave them authority. It's his authority. It's not ours, but it's his authority, and we move in his authority. Now he has left them a work to do. Can I tell you today that there has been no permission from Jesus Christ for the saint of God to be on a seat of do-nothing? Hello? Can I tell you it's not just come sit and soak and get sweet and go on about your business? No, we've been left a work to do. And the work that we have been left to do is to fulfill and complete the mission that Jesus Christ himself came for. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And you and I have been empowered. We've been left behind the Spirit. We've been left his word. We've been left the power of prayer whereby we are to accomplish the mission that he has mandated us to be about. He has commanded us, he has commended you and I that we cannot sit idly by, but we are to occupy until he comes. And to occupy means that military dominance, we are to arise up and take over. What are we taking over, Pastor? We are to arise and take over darkness and let the glorious light of Jesus Christ that lives within us shine into a darkened world. You've been mandated, oh, just uh, just by a poll this morning. How many of you claiming salvation? How many of you been saved by the blood? Your sins have been washed away. Well, then I'm talking to you this morning. If you're a sinner in this house, I'm going to give you the best news uh, that you can hear, and that is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was sent to this earth. Uh, he was born in a manger. He was nailed to a cross. He was placed in a borrowed tomb, uh, and he arose on the third day, whereby to seal your redemption. Uh, when you confess your sin and accept him as Lord. You got the best thing going. If you couldn't raise your hand, you, you, you're getting the best news of the house this morning. But before you leave, if you decide to get in condition where you can raise your hand, then I'm going to tell you what your work is. We live in an age of laziness. <laughs> Uh, I wondered why the preacher in, Sol in, in uh, Proverbs, Solomon, wrote so much about the sluggard. Evidently, the Holy Ghost knew there was a day coming when we're going to raise a whole... <laughs> well, there's going to be a whole group of sluggards rise up. How many know what a sluggard is? Oh, no wonder you're not amen. Let me tell you what. A snail. Have you seen them old slimy snails that go across your porch and leave that mud streak behind them? That's a sluggard. How long does it take him to get across the sidewalk? All day. Right? A sluggard is a slow-moving individual. 
They don't get any hurry about nothing. You can set their tail on fire. They still just going to eat right along. They're not going to get in a hurry. Evidently, the spirit knew that there was going to be some sons because Proverbs is talking to the sons. There's going to be a generation of sons raised up one of these days that wasn't going to be fit for nothing. Well, hear me, sons of Jesus Christ. <laughs> you and I can't be as a sluggard. We've been given and mandated. Uh, we've been given responsibility for the house. We've been given authority to get the job done. Uh, and the work has been laid out for us. And that work is commissioned by his mission. He's not giving you and I anything more to do uh, than he came to do himself. And he gave you uh, the authority and the power in which whereby to get the job done. But what we have in the church world today, we have too many who have compromised and are sitting by the wayside. We have too many uh, under the guise of acceptance have compromised the faith and the truth because we don't want to offend anybody. Well, let me just tell you this morning, you cannot come before the cross of Calvary and not be offended by your sin because there is a righteous God who sent a righteous son who gave his righteous life and righteousness is an offense to sin. Now, you won't get this kind of preaching in a lot of places because it gets offensive. Hello? We got too many hirelings in pulpits. I'll just call on my own kind. Hello? We got too many hirelings in pulpits that want to be, build big numbers and big buildings and big crowds and have a lot of feel good. I don't really care if you feel good or not. I want you to feel prepared for the trumpet to sound and make heaven your home. And if I can get into your mess and your business, I'm going to. You cannot be comfortable in your sin. The church has lost the convicting presence of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is the convictor of sin. And I want to stir up some conviction. You know, you know, Jesus didn't have to say anything when he went down the street. Demons cried out when they walked by him. He didn't have to look them in the eye. And he didn't have to start rebuking and casting them and stirring them up to get them out. He just walked down. He was just in the marketplace, and he'd start screaming out. He'd tell them, hush. Wouldn't it be wonderful again that the lifestyle of the church was so convicting that when you just get in their presence, I love it when it happens to me. I love it. Oh, I do. Saturday, yesterday morning, I went over to, I went, well, I say, no, it's Friday evening first, and then yesterday too. Friday evening, I went to get me a bottle of acetylene and some, uh, some argon for my welder and a little hobby shop I got going there. And so they, they know when I come in, that's the preacher. And he preaches over at that church of God. So I come in, there's an announcement. Hey, preacher, out loud. So that everybody in there knows that the preacher's in here. Hello? And then when others come, I'm sitting on the stool. People start coming in. Hey, you remember the preacher? He's the one that builds those smokers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Putting them on notice. Guy gets a phone call. He normally just puts it on speaker. He gets off the phone. They say, well, why didn't you put it on speaker? He said, well, it was so-and-so. Oh, I'm glad you didn't do that. The preacher was here. 
What, are you, what, are you, what point are you trying to make? I'm trying to make the point that your life is so filled with righteousness that your presence becomes a conviction of those that are around you. That's what I'm talking about. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to announce yourself. You've been commissioned. You've been given authority. You've been given a work to do. But wouldn't it be good for the church to be so separated again that when you showed up, they start announcing your presence? Happened again yesterday, out running dogs. Hey, preacher. Oh, you're a preacher? Yep. Are you really one? I am. It's not just a nickname. Haven't preached one sermon in front of them. Haven't stood up and proclaimed anything. Hello? Just merely walking in the room. That's the way it was with Jesus. He just walked in. Devils start crying out, and it just makes me smile. I'm thinking, yep. So I leave them with a little something. They know who I am. i got to fulfill the role. So I leave them with a little something. You know, they always want to throw in their little jabs. And, well, I'm a Baptist. The, the other said, well, I'm a Lutheran. They start talking amongst themselves. You know the difference between the Baptist and the Lutheran? The Baptist fan said, no. He said, what's that? He said, well, we Lutherans, we go in the beer store. We can talk to each other. You Baptists can't. So I looked at him and I said, well, boys, I'm Pentecostal. We can't even pull into the parking lot. You see, you, you don't have to put on a big sign. You don't have to cover the back wind of your car with Jesus stickers and crosses and all of these things. You don't have to do that. All you got to do is when they cut you off is wave with the whole hand. Hello? Slow down and bless them and let them get in before they hurt you or someone else or themselves. I'm talking about just be Christ in the world. And we can do that. We've been commissioned to be that. Let your presence be the conviction of those who are around you. You don't have to say anything. They recognize and sense they have more discernment than a lot of believers do. They can discern. Uh-oh, this boy ain't. He's different. Why? Number one, I'm not saying what they're saying. Not agreeing with what they say when they say it. Don't chuckle at they joke. Hello? My, I got so far off track, it'll take us 30 minutes to get back. I mean, I just thought it was worth a little footnote that if the church would get back to being the church, the body of Christ, come on, the bride, you do realize that he's coming for his bride. But he's coming for his bride that is without spot, wrinkle, where you at, Bible readers, or blemishes. So iron your wrinkles out in your prayer closet. Get under the water of the washing of his blood, which is that regenerating factor, and clean up the blotches. Oh. Let's be the church. Because we're living in the meantime. We've compromised our mission because there's such a fear of being rejected, ostracized, deemed unloving. We have believed that to be loving we must be accepting. No, Jesus was the most critical person of sin of any of us. 
but yet he was the most compassionate and loving of all of us. It was his example. He never shied away from directly confronting sin, ever. But too many in the church today, we think we have to be accepted. Yes, we accept people, but I'll never accept the sin of the people. People is what's requiring our compassion and love. People are those who need to hear the good news of the glorious gospel that Jesus saves, Jesus saves, and Jesus saves. We don't have to compromise our belief in order to declare that message. You can't look, act, talk like the world and accept to have the world see you separate. But your and my lifestyle must be convicting enough of the righteousness which we've been clothed in, not of our own, but of Christ, so that the world may see. And people are lost in sin. And it's so sad that the church has lost its way. But we must redeem that way. We have been commissioned, Matthew 28, 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Mark 16, 15, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And again in Acts 1 and 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. He didn't just give us a commission without telling us what to say. We've been commissioned in our speech. He has told us what to say. When we think about the mission of Jesus Christ, first and foremost, to seek and to save that which is lost. Matthew 4, 23, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all many sicknesses and all manner of diseases among the people. Jesus' mission, according to Acts 10, 38, how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. You ever felt like you've been oppressed? You ever felt like you've had a weight attached to you? like the devil's riding piggyback on your life well Jesus has come by to get him off your back he come to deliver the oppressed and if need be cast out the possessed hello and you and I have been sent and commissioned in like manner greater works than these shall you do because I'm going to the father and as I go to the Father, and the Holy Ghost is coming back, I will send you another comforter. That's his mission. His mission has been passed on to you and I. Acts 10, 42 and 43. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he, it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and dead, the living and the dead. To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sin. 
it is important that we receive remission of sin. For without it, there is no access into heaven. Now, I know we're in a world today, in a church world today, that tries to tell you there's 19 different ways to get to heaven, but there's not. I'm sorry. There's one. And the way himself declared it, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's made that declaration. It doesn't matter how good a life we try to live. Doesn't matter how kind you try to be. Doesn't matter how much you try to give. It matters on what you have received. What is that? Remission for your sin. How do I do that? You simply ask him. According to 1 John 1 and 9, if we are faithful and just to confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and all our iniquity. If a man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus, the righteous. We've been left a task to perform. And the ability to perform that task has been provided by him. It's through that anointing that touches our life. Isaiah 10, 27, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. 1 John 2 and 27, the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. So what is the anointing? It is that divine enabling of the human through the impartation of the power of God which is at work in mankind. That's what it is. It's that touch of God. It's the hand of God that rests upon our life enabling us to do and perform the work that we have been given to do. We have, like so many other things, we have magnified the work to where we work and never accomplish the committed task. We get busy doing church stuff, but we never do the right stuff. As you leave this place today, and you enter into the world that you're living in, and the circumference of your life, and the people that you come into contact with daily, that's your mission. That's the mission, to seek out, to teach, to testify of what good things the Lord has done for you so that others may receive it for themselves and come to the knowledge that they must accept him as Lord and Savior. That's our mission, and we've been commissioned to do that. We've been given the authority to do that. We've been given the power to do that. We simply must obey and get busy while we're living in the meantime. Because no man knows the hour. That's in our text. No man knows the day nor the hour when the master is going to return. The angels in heaven do not know. The Lord himself, he's reserved it for me.
is the Father. I'm waiting on my commission to return. So when I see and I look at our world and I think about the jeopardy that we're in and I think about the condition of the hearts of humanity, sinners sin. I was a good one when I was a sinner. Anybody else? You did your best too. I did, I did pretty good at sinning. I'm just trying to put in as much effort now as a child of God. My concern for the world is that they hear the gospel. That they hear the gospel. My concern for the church is that we live the gospel. That we live it out. Do you realize that your life is the only God some people see? It's the only Jesus that some people come in contact with? Is you? Do people start cleaning up other people's language when you walk in the room so that you don't have to? It just makes me smile. I just grin. I thought, well, there's at least a little bit of conviction in the world. You just may have to take it in with you. What if you're the only conviction that they're receiving? I better stop. You need to stand. <laughs> Somebody say we get a little reprieve next week. It's Mother's Day. <laughs> so so we'll, we'll get a little reprieve on living in the meantime. Actually, you're going to get two weeks reprieve. I'm going to preach a good, sweet, Loving sermon next week. Hopefully the Lord will give me something sweet for Mother's Day. Say amen, Mama. Pastor needs something sweet. Well, this is hard gospel truth, isn't it? It convicts me when I preach it. Convicted by the word. Is my life aligning up enough? So it encourages me a little when you walk into places and other people say, that's the preacher. And see, one or two of them, those little boys had actually come and visited. And they got to hear it for themselves. And so when I'm in front of them, i got to be that same guy. There has to be a consistency in my testimony. What they saw here, they need to see come through the door of the store. That's what they need to hear. Doesn't it make you feel good to know that you're doing something right? When others recognize the Jesus that's in you, they recognize it. Church, we're the only conviction that a lot of people see. Your life that you're living, we've been given a work to do. The master of that house left them a work to do. He called each one of them up and he gave them their assignment. We've been given one assignment. Tell the good news. Just tell the good news. You don't have to get into theological discussions with folks. You just have to tell them. You know Jesus loves you. And if you don't know how to go into any further and witness into that, say, I've, I've got a pastor. If you'll just come listen, he'll tell you. 
Might be a little rough for some folks, but I'm going to tell them the truth and try to love them all the way to the cross of Calvary. You do realize I love you, right? I know my children sometimes used to say, Dad, you got a hard way of showing it. Well, if I didn't love you, I'd just let you be a heathen and do what you wanted to do. But I love you enough to try to bring some correction into your life. Because as a father, that was part of my commission to teach, instruct, to raise up my children. So I did my best. It trans, just transpires over across this podium. I know sometimes that I sound really rough. My eyes bulge out and that blood vein gets big. It's because I'm passionate about your life and the well-being of your life and the well-being of those people that you come in contact with. Because, see, I understand that you're the conviction that's in their presence. It's Christ in you, not you. It's not me. It's Christ in us. So that when he shines through, that's a good thing because you're crucifying yourself daily and he's shining through you. Bring them to the fountain. That's all you got to do is get them in here. My responsibility is to preach the gospel. You get them. And we'll preach them and love them. Amen. Father, I love you. Prepare me to be a sanctuary. Lord, we're the body of Christ. We're endeavoring to be you to the world. That we are your express image. It may be our face and our body, but it's your glory that shines through us. It's your testimony that others see in our life that, yes, even in this world, you can live right and enjoy life. You don't have to sin to have fun. It's a good life that we live, but it's eternity that we're concerned about. And where they spend it. Father, recommission us this morning. That as we're going into this world, that we be your light. That people see you before they see us. And begin to announce it to those who are around us. To those that are around us. I wonder how many of you have some folks that you'd like to see saved. You'd like to see them in heaven one day, but right now that if the Lord came tonight, it most likely wouldn't happen. If he came right now, you know it wouldn't happen. And I'm not trying to cast judgment on people, but, you know, you see an apple hanging on an apple tree, it's an apple. We know by the fruit of our life and the fruit of their life what's on the inside. I'm not casting judgment. I'm just calling it like it is. Father, forever hand is lifted. Represent a soul. Loved ones. 
neighbors, friends, acquaintances. They need you. And I pray, Father, that they see you through me. That they see you through me and my testimony and my witness. It's not that I'm perfect. It's not that I'm without mistake or without failure. But that they see me in my failure, repent. Be a right and new before you. That they long to have what I possess. Save our friends. Save our family. Holy Ghost, you are the convictor. Begin to draw them. Begin to draw them in. Bring them, Lord, to Calvary. I don't care what church they go to, as long as it's one preaching Jesus. Take them to Calvary. Take them to Calvary. Whew. May we be about the Father's business. Amen and amen. Amen. Give the Lord praise for his word. Don't forget the ladies' uh, brunch Saturday. I think it starts at 10, from 10 to 12, I think is what it is. Ladies, you need to sign up. It's a Mother's Day. Preached it out. Hallelujah, there it is. Killed that battery. So with that, go in grace, go in peace. If you're visiting with us today, please stop by out those doors to my left. We have some folks waiting for you. We want to give you something special. Uh, you say, what is it? Well, it, it, it's something's got our church name on it. And when you look at it, I want you to pray for me and this church. Amen. So take it with you. Get one take with you. God bless you. Go in grace. Birthday and anniversary, folks, for April, May. What month we in? May. Go get you a cupcake or a cookie. God bless you. Happy birthday and happy anniversary.